go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. like that it is 2024 and just like that the Jaguars are back on the winning side and I can just feel it right now for the first time this year I feel a tremendous amount of satisfaction you know Uh, you were up against it every day was a grind every morning afternoon into the night it was tough on you And I get it. I'm all about the diversion. You know, God bless sports. God bless anything that will get you away from your normal problems, right? I mean, that's what life's all about. That's why I recommend sleeping half the day. Some of my dreams are incredible. I've been told that they're lucid, uh, where I can do all sorts of things. I can move with my dreams, right? I can navigate with the blonde on one arm and the brunette on the other. It is it's amazing uh, what I can do. I, I can also actually, and this is a true story, I can put myself in the dream where I actually see myself. And I always don't like what I see, which is good because you can actually work there, therapeutically speaking, while you're actually in your REM. So consider that. Take that with you. I mean, we're always about, right, New Year's resolutions and I'm going to lose weight this year, and I'm going to go to the gym this year, and I'm going to be nicer to my colleagues this year. I started all of that actually on December 30th. I was out at an unnamed bar, Florida State, Georgia, and I announced very early in the first quarter I would buy shots for everyone for each and every Florida State touchdown. And guess what happened? Yeah, you got it. 63 to three. So we go to the 2024, and it is here. My name is Rick Ballou. J.J. LaSalva producing the program. I, I feel comfortable in saying I think it's going to be our best year yet. The Into the Night audience is growing. I am going to make a better effort this year of, uh, of moving forward as far as technology is concerned. Uh, try to do the best that I can. When it comes to YouTube and all of our different devices as far as streaming, I I will say this. I'll put our show up against anyone when it comes to being interactive with our listeners on the text line. All right? I love the text line. 641-1010 brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We go to it all the time and value the fact that you want to add to the program, whether it's an opinion or a fact or somewhere in between. We always enjoy that. But it's time for me to really broaden Uh, the horizon. So I'm really going to attempt to do that in 2024. I think it's going to be an incredible year. I I do. Regardless of what happens here with Jacksonville, and for the record, if I was to bet it, which of course I do not, I think they get back to the divisional round. I think they win this weekend in Tennessee. I think they win there regardless of who the quarterback is going to be. All right, we'll have a better feeling tomorrow, Wednesday. When we hear from Trevor Lawrence, or maybe it is C.J. Beathard, uh, or you know what have you, also Doug Peterson, and then the coordinators a little bit later on in the week. My guest today would be Trevor Lawrence. I I don't know that, but we saw yesterday, or make that on Sunday, 
that C.J. Beathard is a quality backup quarterback. Is he a playoff-winning quarterback? That's a totally different conversation. But we kind of witnessed Jacksonville going back to the basics, right? Taking what the defense gives you. I was actually pretty surprised when I looked at his uh, average after throwing the football. Let's see. I believe it was 7.4 for C.J. Beathard. That, that's a little bit higher than I thought it was, um, if that makes any sense to you. 7.4, you know, I would have assumed that it would have been somewhere in the in the sixes, if you will. But a 7-4 is promising on a day in which Jacksonville ran the ball 34 times and, you know, passed it only 24 times. That's been missing as of late. We know that Travis Etienne finally went over 100 yards for only the second time this season. What, since week 12, he had not gone more than 50 yards a game on the ground. Consistently, his average per had been under three yards a carry. Um, you can make a case that, yeah, that 62-yarder really skewed the numbers, but that's always part of it, okay? And I, I know that you get it. For some of those of you who don't, that has to be part of the conversation, all right? And you can look at it both ways. I, I remember a few years ago, oh, man, I'm trying to remember who it was. It, it might have been against Tennessee. It might have been against Derrick Henry where the Jaguars did a really good job bottling him up, and then they allowed a a long touchdown run. They look at the average per, and I kind of made the point then, well, okay, for 19 carries, they held him under three yards, but then he broke one. That's like being in in a slump, if you will, in baseball. You know, and you won for your last 12, and you struck out nine out of those 12 at-bat appearances, but then in your 13th trip to the box – you hit a three-run homer, and you just can't dismiss that. So Travis Etienne, 16 carries, 102 yards. Okay, for the most part, during those 15 carries that he had, Carolina did a decent job. Not an outstanding job, but a decent job against But then he hit the home run, and he took it for 62. That's what great teams do, college and pro. Trey Benson was like that all year for Florida State. Trey Benson was getting locked at the line of scrimmage, and then they would continuously go to him, and then finally uh, he would hit a home run. So I thought that was encouraging for Jacksonville here to actually have a football game where they were absolutely the better team, but for once it became a rush-first, pass-second type of offense against an inferior product. I mean, this day was all about the defense. They held Carolina to just 124 yards. What a terrible team. Really top to bottom. You know, from David Tepper all the way down to the 53rd man on the roster. What what a brutal organization. What a brutal franchise. And, you know, right now it looks to me like Bryce Young is scared. Looks like Bryce Young is almost disinterested. It looks to me like Carolina made a massive mistake, obviously not picking C.J. Stroud. Be interesting to see what they do during the offseason. Which direction do they go to try to turn that franchise around? That's their problem. Certainly not the one here in Duval. Anyway, what I said a moment ago as far as how incredible I think 2024 is really going to be, it's twofold for me. Uh, Number one, regardless of what happens with the Jaguars, and again, my pick right now is they make it to the divisional round. It's probably going to be a road game. The decisions that this organization is going to have to make is going to make in, in, in my opinion, for one of the greatest off-seasons around here that we have ever had. 
uh, for instance, today, or make it yesterday, uh, I threw out Josh Allen, you know, 16 and a half sacks. Pay him a franchise tag. Kind of split down the middle. A lot of people are like, throw the tag on him. You know, pay him the top money. It's going to be, what, 18, 19 million? I haven't seen the franchise tag uh, official figures. And, you know, if you do that, you know what happens. He misses the offseason. He probably isn't here in August. He shows up right before the start of the year. He's not happy. That's just the way people are when they get tagged. And then you go with it uh, from there. Others will say, uh-uh, he's earned it. He, he's a homegrown talent. He's a leader on this football team. He's the biggest leader, I got to believe, with a low con, you know, on, on the defense. And pay him. He's earned it. Okay? That's just one of many decisions this team is going to have to make. I've been saying all along, this is it for Cam Robinson. He's done. Right? You're going to recoup, what, $17.75 million. It's a... It's an overall cap hit of over $21 million. Move on. Uh, there are those right now that are saying, no way. This football team wins with Cam Robinson. And it's tough to argue that point. Where I'm at now is more of a health issue. What do you know that you can get from Cam Robinson? We don't have the answer to that question. But he has missed games now this year. Last year, of course, he had the major injury going back a couple of seasons ago. Do you want to restructure that contract? Do you want to guarantee that he's going to be around for at least two years as a minimum? Maybe, you know, maybe more with the uncertainty uh, of his health. And, of course, that's something that we just cannot guarantee. But that's really changed. I mean, I think, a lot, I, think I speak for a lot of you when I say there was no way he was going to come back. Now it's kind of like, well, hold on here. You know, this offensive line continues to be one of the worst in the NFL. You got to fix the interior, left guard, center, right guard. Anton Harrison had a good game uh, yesterday. Didn't allow a pressure or make that Sunday, excuse me. Did not allow a pressure. And I love the nasty. I, I thought, even though the ejection occurred with Cam Robinson, that, that was all in response to having his helmet thrown by Derek Brown. To me, that was the proudest moment for the offensive line this year. If you listen to the show regularly, you know how I feel about the offensive line. It is the most important position to me, most important position group to me on the football field, obviously outside of the quarterback. And I've always loved the offensive line. When I cut my teeth doing this back in the mid-90s, it was Cersei and Baselli and Wydell and Ben Coleman and Michael Cheever and Rich Tilsky and, and uh, you know, the list just goes on and on and on with those. I love the offensive line. I truly believe it's the identity of your football team. It's the toughness of your football team. And to see the way that Anton Harrison reacted during that scrum, then Cam Robinson, uh, to me that, that spoke volumes for what could possibly be Moving forward, if you want to comment on that, you can, 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But again, you go now from all of a sudden uh, that situation with Cam and, you know, what are they going to do with Trevor? Do you pay him in March? Do you make him play year four of the rookie contract? What are you going to do with picking up the fifth-year option with Travis Etienne? What are you going to do with Calvin Ridley, who turned 29 a week and a half ago? You're going to pay him top 10 Top five wide receiver money. And there's just so many other decisions that this football team 
is going to have to make. I, I guess the only unknown here is I still don't understand the salary cap, okay? And it feels like there's so many ways that you can cut corners with a signing bonus, and that's always encouraging for this organization, unlike some other organizations. Shad Khan is liquid. Shad Khan has money, all right? And I was told years ago from an impeccable source that Shad Khan will never say no to football-related decisions, financially speaking. He's never said no. And a lot of that, oh, by the way, you can thank Urban Meyer for. He made a big deal about that. So, it's going to be an incredible offseason. In college football, we're going to get the 12 teams. So all the crap that we dealt with throughout the weekend and social media went crazy and, and everything that was said about, you know, the, the big games and who was in and who did not get in and who deserved to get in, that's gone now, all right? This would have been a great year for uh, a college football playoff to have more than four teams. What? The two teams with losses who went in lost the games yesterday. Um, a lot of people have had an opinion on that. We are going to get the two undefeated teams who will play one another. But let me stop you right there. These same talking heads, these same pundits who carry so much value told each and every one of us that Washington couldn't play, that Washington couldn't play with Oregon in a rematch, that they were going to get boat raced in that game. How fun was it to watch them? Last night, win or lose. And my God, can you believe that, JJ, after what happened to your school this year, not taking a knee? All you have to do is take the knee in that situation, punt, and you hand the football back to Texas with 11 seconds to go. Instead, you have the injury. The Longhorns have 50 seconds and nearly pulled off that victory. You can't knee it there. I mean, you obviously have to try to get the first down and win the game, though. What, punt from the uh, – uh, on third down? Yeah. Oh, no way. I would have taken a knee. And then you punt with 11 seconds to go? But they would have been 11 seconds to go anyway if it wasn't the worst rule in the history of sports. Yeah, I mean, it's like, still that's a rule. Out, it's dumb. That, that's outrageous. I didn't even realize that, that the team that's trying to run out the clock would have had to waste a timeout due to an injury. I always assumed it was just the team trying to stop the clock is what the rule was intended to be outrageous like that almost cost them a trip to the national title man. yeah it did no doubt all right you and i look at that differently i would have taken a knee but... yeah because if you get the first down it's over i mean it... yeah but it was like third and it was like third and seven wasn't it third and eight third and six something yeah yeah still all right, all right well we'll agree to disagree on like that. the miami one literally the game well is there's over. no doubt yeah there's no doubt about that too i i would have taken a knee in both cases but nonetheless they did not and you know we did see uh, what almost did take place last night. So we got a lot to do. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible year, and I see that a lot of folks are already getting in right now on the text line, 641-1010. We're going to relive what happened on Sunday with the Jaguars and as well with the semifinals that did take place uh, during the college football playoff. Uh, the transfer portal, it's becoming a very intriguing time as well. Seems like most of the heavy hitters have announced We'll see if anyone does elect out from either Texas or Alabama, all right? They have five days. That's the way the rule is. Uh, you get five days from your bowl if you hadn't already announced previously. And, you know, in quite a few of these bowls, you had kids playing 
who had announced that they were transferring or already in the transfer portal, but still had an opportunity with one game uh, to showcase their skills. So I found that pretty intriguing uh, with a rule that, frankly, I wasn't aware that actually did take place. So uh, opening comments tonight and each and every night, as always, are brought to you by the good folks over at Schmunez Vision. Uh, They wish you a very happy new year. They're a family organization. They focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery combined. That's more than 30 years worth of experience with laser eye surgery. So whether it's uh, you, your family, your grandparents, your kids, you, you can't continuously overlook your eyes. And again, we're talking about high-quality medical and surgical eye care. That's part of what they do as well at Schmunez. And I say it all the time, but eight and a half years ago, I just went in for a normal checkup and they found something that had to be removed from my right eye immediately. Dr. Neil Schmunez performed that surgery and I have never had a setback. I really want you to check them out online. Just go to SchmunezVision.com. That is SchmunezVision.com. Or you can also place a call at 299-2906. All right, when we come back, let's begin with the Jaguars. Uh, Dominant win against a really bad team, but it doesn't matter. They did what they had to do, and they won the football game 26 to nothing. Next up, a trip to Tennessee where the Jags have had success as of late. They've won three straight against the Titans. And, you know, my opinion on what to do Sunday is probably different from what a lot of people out there actually do believe. And I'm going to tell you what that's all about here when we do return, as well give you an opportunity to get on in. The best way to do it is on the text line, 641-1010, and that's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Be careful out there. That is for the ladies and the Johns. Girls still uh, trying to turn a trick and support the longest living profession. But it is cold out there. And Johns, I don't know, man. Just look the other way. Good luck explaining yourself out of that one. <laughs> I mean, there are some out there who can do it, right? There are some that are just untouchable, Teflon. Regardless of the situation, they can talk their way out of it. I want to know how you're going to talk your way out of that, okay? Let me know if it's happened to you. 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures and uh, and how you got out of it. 8043 says, uh, DJU has to make 63-3 more palatable. Um, I feel better about 2024, but no, it doesn't make it any better. And I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it because it's over, uh, but it stunk. It was awful. And all I can say is for those who opted out to make a point, I hope you feel you made that point. Uh, you really didn't to a lot in the college football community. Instead, it cried of taking your own ball and going home. And I understand if you're Benson or you're Coleman or you're Verse and you're going to be a first-round pick or you're going to be a second-round pick, but a lot of these guys who opted out may not even get drafted. Or if so, they're sixth or seventh-round picks. So when you wake up, you got to ask yourself, did I make the right decision? Or are scouts and teams now going to say, well, he's a quitter? 
I don't know the answer um, to that question. I, I'm actually surprised at how many Florida State alumni have gone on the attack with that about you know supporting the team and doing what's best. That, perhaps the most alarming part of this was Mike Norvell stating that if they had lost the Atlantic Coast Conference Championship game, if they had lost it to Louisville, he believes that most of those opt-outs would have played. They did last year against Oklahoma, right? They tried to prove a point to the College Football Selection Committee. Are you kidding me? That fell on deaf ears. Did they get screwed over? Okay, sure. But what did you really prove? Whenever you say anything to anyone who was a college football fan or a rival of Florida State, their response is simply 63-3. to And you can waste your breath and your time and your energy fighting it, okay? I'm not going to do it anymore. I, it was a one-time deal, you hope. With a tw- the bowl system's dead. We got it. With a 12-team college football playoff, you hope that that is not the case any longer. I, I really am going to be interested and what Mike Norvell is going to do over there. They had a very good day yesterday. They got five or six guys announced to coming back, part of a battle's end collective. All right, you got Marvin Jones Jr., you got DJ Uyunglele. That's, that's a good start. They're bringing in five or six other transfers. They need to. But I, I kind of want the door to open and have more people leave. A- anyone who is a part of the black cloud feels sorry for me. I'm the victim. I want them out of there. People are saying, well, you know, they don't play football again for nine months. Okay. Well, you have recruiting. You have off-season workouts. You have spring football. You got to be a part of this thing. You've got to move on. You can't keep being part of feel sorry for us. And I do. I think Mike Norvell's the right guy for this. I, I feel awful that these players did it to Mike Norvell. Again, they, they acted as if they did it to the college football playoff committee. They don't care. You think Reese Davis cares or Dr. Herbie cares or Joe Tech? They don't care. The people who cared are fans, alumni, former players, your coach, those who did go out and play. So my opinion is always is different than most of you. I, I, I just, I don't think crying and whining and complaining and then the ultimate prize of taking the ball and leaving is the right way to go through life. I just don't. Life is full of adversity. Life is full of peaks and valleys. Man, you got you to gotta man up. When times suck. I got moved here at night because of a discipline scenario. You think I bitched and complained about it? No. I came in here and sold out the freaking show. It sold out. The numbers are high. You want to put me here? Watch this. You want to put me on at midnight? Watch this. What do you think I was going to do? Say, that's it? I'm gone? No. Life is about adapting to challenges. Life is about something negative happened to you. I could have spent forever around here saying, my God, I got lined up in that show with the worst talk show host in the 
history of Jacksonville? And you, you expected me to survive? The same person who six years ago said we shouldn't even have a college football playoff? Okay, because it doesn't work. Yet what happened? You had that incredible game between Oklahoma and Georgia. What you know? You just deal with it, and you move on. You don't take your ball and go home. So I, I hope they got what they expected out of this. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I was only joking. Going from Travis to DJ is not great. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know what to. It's certainly a hell of a lot better than what they have there now. I mean, two of the kids quit. That's today's football, right? I'm on a starter. I'm gone. Tate Rodemaker. I'm gone. I'll announce the week of the game. How gutless is that? How incredibly yellow is that to wait the week of the game? A.J. Duffy, let him go. No, go somewhere else. Try to win. Uh, DJ, DJ Uliangalele, I mean, J.J. and I watch Pac-12 football. We've talked a lot about Oregon State this year. He did some great things. Is he going to be as good as Jordan Travis? Probably not. But he's a hell of a lot better than what they have right now with a, a guy in Brock Glenn who completed like 37% of his passes and an incoming freshman out of Savannah who they absolutely love. They absolutely love this guy. Okay? Let's turn things around. Let's get to the NFL. What are you guys going to do for a quarterback, by the way? Because I saw Good Jefferson. Good question. He went to uh, UCF. UCF. Yes. Um, and Cam announced that he was going to go pro. So all your whining Cam and dining with Rick Ross, you know, uh, eating high-end seafood, that did not work. Cam Ward decided to go to the NFL. Um, unfortunately, Miami put, like, all of their eggs in the Cam Ward basket, and now he's not going, and, like, most of the quarterbacks have already chosen spots. So it looks like it's going to come down to – the kid from Kansas State who was rumored he was going to go to USC, but that is not official. Yeah. Howard. And then the UNLV kid, another Hawaiian kid. Right. And they just announced Ja'Curry Brown, the kid who started the bowl game, is returning. So that's like plan Z would be to start the season versus with Ja'Curry Brown. But, yeah, it, the Cam Ward going to the NFL really screwed Miami mm-hmm. just because it seemed like they had put all their eggs in that basket. But – We'll see. I think if they get Howard from Kansas State, that would be, uh, God, they need that. Cam Ward must have got a really good grade because this is going right. to be an outstanding quarterback class. And then you look at a guy like what, what Michael Penix did last night. You know, all of a sudden he's going to move up. I mean, you could have five or six guys selected ahead in yeah. the first round. I, I got to believe, you know, and again, I don't know. I don't know what his NFL – grade was you you can you can send away for that and and you can get back where they believe you are going to be projected it's not a perfect science they're not going to come out and say you're going to be the 12th player selected in the first round what what they may say to you is that you're projected to go in round two or three and they might be like hey you come bust your ass at the combine you might be able to jump Mm -hmm. one of those guys but in today's nfl all right and, and you know we even saw it yesterday with with uh you know, Bryce Young, every slot you fall, more money you lose with the rookie system under the current salary cap. If Miami was ready to offer this guy a half million, three quarters of a million, a million, I have no idea what the NIL is. But if you were able to get that money, 
then have a good year. Mm-hmm. And week to week, you can add to that. Okay, if all of a sudden you start, you know, you what you have Florida early, right? Florida, the first game of the year, you start winning some big games, and you can add to your purse for one more year. It it becomes a chance to do two things. Number one, you can make that much more money during your final year in college, and number two, you can absolutely improve your draft stock for the 2025 draft. So with that said, I was a little bit surprised. Me too. I Like you left. said, he could go from the sixth or seventh quarterback taken to potentially number two, you know, number three. Like that's tens and tens of millions of dollars difference, like mm-hmm. you said. But I don't. who knows what he was told. Uh, Liberty's quarterback, I got a text here saying he just entered. Uh, the portal as well that comes from the 1598. So anything that's semi-decent mm-hmm. would be an upgrade. Uh, although I did see Tyler Van Dyke in uniform on the sideline against Wisconsin. Did you see that? I did not. Or, I mean, for Wisconsin. I'm I like, are you allowed to play? Like, I, it made me question everything I know about the transfer portal. I, I was, gonna, I thought I knew the rules of college football. <laughs> yeah. I, and again, I go back to my alma mater, but I'm, I'm looking last week in the Orange Bowl, and, and all these kids who just signed the dotted line on the, what was it, 20th? Was it December 20th that was signing day? Are they already, like, dressed? They're all, they're all practicing. They, oh, they, yeah. They're not eligible to play in the Orange Bowl, but they were in uniform, like, pregame. Right. Before That's the crazy. Orange Bowl. They probably don't even have, like, a room key yet. You know, you've been there for, what, two weeks practicing, maybe? Yeah, these kids are, like, foregoing their senior year of high school, their back half of the senior year of high school to just go straight to college. I don't blame them, man. I wasn't a big fan of school. Uh, But, yeah, a lot of people, you know, Josie, he's like, his thing is, don't you want to go finish high school? You know, like, think about how bad ass it was being a senior in high school. And I look at it differently. I was ready to get the hell out of high school. Yeah. Yeah, baseball was my premier sport, so that was the only way. But again, I wasn't recruited heavily. I wasn't big and imposing where I had that option where, you know, hey, forget about the senior prom. I'm going straight to college. Yeah, you know, I, I obviously <laughs> had no choice either. I'm just saying in general, like hey, that's, that's how 17-year-olds probably think. I say this all the time, and it's not a slap in the face. It's the truth. College was easier than high school. And, and what I oh, mean, I agree with that. What I mean by that is, that, first off, I went to a really good school system uh, outside of Boston. It's it's considered one of the tops in in all of Massachusetts. But when you have a dad who teaches and coaches, and you know, I never skipped a class, skip days. I mean, it, no. And, wow. And, and when you play, well. I was completely under surveillance. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to pull that? And when you play football, hockey, and baseball, you, you have, have no show up. You have no days off. And if memory serves me correct, I think the first bell rang at like seven oh five. So Jeez. you you're getting up at six six fifteen, taking a shower, eating some breakfast. You from six o'clock in the morning. School got out at like 150. You had like 10 minutes to say goodbye to your girlfriend and then get ready for practice that day or a game. After that, you get home at night, man, at 6, 630. 
you are exhausted and you still got homework and all that. So it, it, it's such a job day in, day out. College, you have like two classes a day. I think the most important lesson that anyone can learn when you get to college is how to manage your time. Because high school forces you to do it. Then all of a sudden you get in college and someone just rolled the doobie. You're like, oh, I have a lot of free time between Man, classes. Like, I, don't I have, can go get a drink. I don't have class till tomorrow. And he just rolled the doobie. Man, I think I'll just crash here on the couch and, you know, watch. Back then it was soap operas or MTV. And, it's, and, and that's why one of the major reasons why so many people flunk out. Their first time, yeah. That, I didn't really do college until I was a little older. And at that point it was like, hey, I'm paying for this. So I'm going to go to class. I'm going to try my heart. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing well. So, yeah, I was a little older. Probably doesn't count. Yeah. And I went to UNF where it's like a commuter school, so you don't have that lifestyle on campus. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have people just dropping into your dorm room and getting stoned on the couch. Like, that's not really a thing there. So I guess I can't relate. Outside of my first semester, I took classes like three days a week early. Just for that reason. So when the temptation was, hey, let's go party, let's go party, it's no, I have an early class the next day. Right. And, you know, now I extended that late when I got a good job as a bartender. Um, you know, in year four and year five, instead of graduating early, I took half the class load because I had nowhere to go. I had nothing that was there for me at that particular point. And I was making pretty decent money tending bar and a job at that point, which I thoroughly did enjoy, that, you know, I was kind of in a situation where where's the hurry here? So I, I did slow things down. But, yeah, for all you parents out there, I understand things have changed. Now, I can't imagine. I mean, I just sent my – say goodbye to my oldest daughter who's continuing her education in Paris and is also going to be teaching English over there. So badass. Right? And I was talking to her. She's like, I think I just got a job at an Irish bar. <laughs> In Paris. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I'm like, but, you know, she's she's kind of gung-ho about it, you know, understanding now on her own that asking for money is one thing, but sooner or later you you got to be responsible. But I, I know that that scares the living daylights out of parents. It's not that their son or daughter isn't smart enough. It's are they able to manage their time and, and you know I have a criminology degree uh, it's not like I there are much tougher degrees okay I'm not saying that and I'm not ripping Florida State I got it very proud of my very proud of my degree but I just I thought it was easier I did you take courses you like you know I love criminology I love learning about all that I actually look forward to going to school there's a lot of things in high school that I that I did not look forward you know to me Splitting apart a frog, you know, and, and you know, looking at uh, balsic acid and trying to make a fake battery, that, that, that stuff didn't really do it to me. Yeah, and science. you get to college, you're like, oh, I don't have to take math class. This is dope. Like, I'm, like, doing stuff I care about that's... <laughs> math. It, math sucks. No one loves numbers more than I do. No one mentions numbers more than I do. But you've got to be kidding me. The stuff I learned mathematically speaking. Okay, here's what I need to know with math. I want to check the market. Is it up or down? Yeah. And I'm going to check my bank account. All right? This was you taken out. The Pythagorean so th- theorem for Now that? this is my balance, right? I mean, why do they do that to you? How many people actually use that in their profession? 
I, I would say less than 1%. I, I, I think oh, it's yeah. just the way of our system saying, we're going to make you think. We're going to see how smart you are. Here goes. Like problem-solving skills. I think some of it's that. I think some of it's just the old-school way, and they just stick with it. Like when they finally tell you when you're at a certain age, like, hey, all that crap we've been making you do long-form, you can just press like three buttons and do mm-hmm. it on this calculator. You're like, what? So you've been wasting our time. Like I just remember slaving over these dumb math problems at the kitchen table all night long. You know, my dad barely being able to explain any of it to me just for them a year later to be like, oh, yeah, you could have just pressed it in this calculator. Like, what? What a complete waste of our time. Yeah, and math has changed. You see how they do the problems now? Like, Uh, no. uh, They split the numbers. Oh, it's a totally different way. When I was asked for help, I was like, I'm uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was like. I got nothing. I got to go rearrange my sock drawer or something, you know. (laughs) Ask the GM. I, I was like, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. I was like, you've got to be kidding me here. You know, I thought I, I you know, algebra, algebra two, calculus, uh, uh, trig, all these things I took. I'm like, what is this? And it's either I burnt those brain cells away or, or this is totally new math. But anyway, that's, I do. I, I'll swear to that. I thought high school was a lot harder. Uh, than college. But yeah, a lot of these kids are saying, nah, 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 nah. Forget about high school. Take me to college now. And uh, I just can't, I can't see that. I can't understand that. But apparently they have absolutely zero problem with it. All right, we got much more to do. 641-1010 if you want to get on in. Getting quite a few things in on this. Also some things on the Jaguars. I promise that we would get to that. Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence on the other side. Also, getting quite a few on Dalvin Cook. I put that out there earlier. I, I don't think Cook would come here. I think his agent has probably done the due diligence, saying that you can't run with this offensive line. I think Baltimore or a couple of other teams that are a, a better running team. Baltimore had that huge injury at running back just a couple of weekends ago here against the Jaguars with the rookie undrafted. Uh, running back. I don't think it would work, but it's worth at least having a conversation about. 641-1010. That is the best way to get us on our text line. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, it's good to be back getting the swing of things. We'll uh, obviously next week start with our regular week. I keep thinking today's a Monday. Obviously, it's not. And, yeah, it's kind of tough with the, uh, what, New Year's officially on, uh, I guess it was yesterday, right? Monday. It's, for a lot of us, you know, and I, I'm, a, I'm fine with it. I, I miss the mic. But I know for a lot of you at your job, you're like, damn, man, a Monday? Yeah, the New Year's Eve and everything, Christmas Eve, our Sundays, and the actual date is a Monday. So, you know, for a lot of us, we were back working uh, last Tuesday and back working this Tuesday. Uh, I do feel for those of you out there who feel like you were passed over. um, I don't feel that way, especially during football season. Not at all. But we just looked it up. What is it, next year? It's on a Wednesday. Christmas and New Year's are on Wednesday, 2024. So that means next year, I would assume, 
the majority of you will get Christmas and New Year's Eve off as well as Christmas and New Year's Day off. So you'll get the Tuesday-Wednesday combination in 2024. Now, would you rather get New Year's Eve off or the day after? Or I guess, would you rather get Christmas Eve off or the day after Christmas? Uh, I, I love Christmas Eve. Do you? Yep. See, Christmas Eve is fine for me like at nighttime. I don't have a problem working that day, though. But like the day after Christmas, the last thing I want to do is going to work. Yeah. It, listen, for the primetime show, I got you. But for this show, uh-uh. I want Christmas Eve off. Oh, yeah, at nighttime for sure. Yeah. I mean, got to get in bed before Santa gets there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I had the little girls, as I told you, when you know we were in Chicago, I, the only day I, I, I had to work all the holidays. And it was actually the most listened-to shows I ever had because all the local stations I was on, just about all the local people were off. Were, so were they off. just play you, yeah. And not nearly as many games. You know, oftentimes I go on mm-hmm. after games. Uh, would end if they were the the flagship of a of a particular station, but yeah, I would always want Christmas Eve off. By the time Christmas came, at that point uh, in the night, it, they were dead tired and were in bed. All right, let's get to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this is obviously from yesterday. We are going to hear from Doug Peterson. And I would expect Trevor Lawrence tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, the coordinators on Thursday. Also looking forward to getting into the locker room and hearing what the players have to say on Thursday, but uh, Doug Peterson was asked the very latest health-wise with quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Beginning with Trevor, he is progressing. Uh, he was in today getting his getting his treatment, rehab, all that. We'll see. He's kind of day-to-day right now, so we'll see how he is on Wednesday. Uh, see, um, you know, uh, what his limitations or whatever it might be, but uh, he is definitely, um, you know, improving. I have been lost with this all year. I mean, I have. That, to me, the worst was still the roll of the ankle. I mean, that was brutal. When I saw him roll that ankle, I was thinking, you know, three weeks, four weeks, and I was kind of mocking the fact that there was a lot of internet, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Twitter doctors, many of which were right. But, you know, he already had the knee. Then when he came back from the ankle injury, I was like, wow. That surprised me more than anything. And then the concussion. Right in the protocol, and you know, we did our show here on Thursday. We get off the air. I, I remember it was seven minutes after we had wrapped up the show. And Ian Rappaport comes out and says, "Well, if you don't practice Wednesday and Thursday, chances are that you're you're not playing." And and there started to be a real feel that Trevor's not, and he went. So I kind of went to the other school of thought. All right, I'm 0 for 2. I'm 0, I missed on the ankle. I missed on the head. This is a shoulder. He's absolutely going to play, right? And uh, we had uh, the Philly Rooster on from, um, uh, from Vegas who told us that, you know, the sports book there. And, you know, Vegas, for the most part, they're on to something uh, that they were believing that he was going to play. And last week I was on noon to three, right at like 3.15. I, I don't remember what day it was. It might have been Thursday. might have been Friday. What, what day was it actually announced that he wasn't going to play? It, maybe it was Friday. It was Friday. Yeah. I did an interview on the uh, flagship of the, of the Panthers. And they're like, we're, t- you know, we're hearing he's not going to play. And I'm like, really? I'm like, we don't know. 
You know, I've heard people tell me he's going to play. I've heard people tell me he's not going to play. And sure enough, as soon as I hung up with that, with that interview, it was like 3.35, 3.40 our time on Friday. That's when I got the, you know, the memo officially from the Jaguars that, that he was out. So here we are now, three days later. I, I have no idea if, if he is going to play. I like Jacksonville's chances better with him in there. But, J.J., I also think this football team can go into Nashville and win if it is C.J. Beathard. I think they can, but like you said, the odds, I would put you know the chances that the Jags win with Trevor as a quarterback way higher than without him, even with a you know a seventy percent chance to play. I, I don't. There was that rumor. Mia was talking earlier today that C.J. Beathard said in post game that Trevor went up to him on like Tuesday and was like, "I'm not going to play." Basically, yeah. like I don't think I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. But then they still had him out there in front of the media. You know, he still sounded optimistic. Um, but I guess they were playing my games the whole time. I think he'll play. I, I think that it was probably to the point where they were like, hey, if he absolutely had to, we would play him, but it's Carolina. I, I don't think it's going to be that easy, though, like this week. I understand that Tennessee is reeling. They're one of the worst teams in football right now, the way the season's ending. Tannehill has come back into play. But they are going to be riled up for this. I just, you know, after last season, man, uh, you know, the Jags knocked them out of the playoffs. This would make them feel amazing, you know, to end the season like this, kick out one of their arch rivals out of the playoffs potentially. Like, I think they're going to be ready to play. I don't think it's going to be a laydown like it was this weekend. No. Like, you knew right away on Sunday, oh, the Panthers got nothing. Like, this is a wrap. Right. And uh, I don't Levis know. went out. They had to go back to Tannehill. I, I tend to agree with that. And if you watched Rabel today – Oh, yeah, I did. He was going at the media. He was talking about how losing sucks. He was dropping F-bombs. Like, he's going to have them ready to play. Although I thought that last time, and they got absolutely destroyed here in Jacksonville. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, Jacksonville's won three in a row after losing five straight uh, to Tennessee, so they've totally turned that around. Mike Vrabel sounded today like a guy who was coaching his last game. And that's part of this that I was going to mention earlier in the show, and I didn't. Uh, going out and winning is one thing, but going out and winning decisively would be so nice. I mean, wouldn't it be great to hear? And I don't say this because I want to see anyone lose their job. Mike Vrabel's going to find work. He may end up in New England, for crying out loud. But I would love to be able to knock Mike Vrabel out of the AFC South. I think he's a really good coach. He doesn't have the talent right now. And if maybe their mind's already made up in Tennessee. I don't know the answer to that question, but if you go in there and stun them, you go, not and stun them, you go in there and, and just beat the living tar out of them the way the Houston did. That That's wrapping up your season, losing to divisional rivals uh, in that manner. That could end up being really encouraging for the Jaguars. Might so, give the owner something to think yeah, about. Yeah, that, that's another way to look at it. Also, gamemanship that we talked about here after, you know, Trevor apparently told Beathard that he wouldn't go on Tuesday. How about the gamemanship by Doug Peterson on Wednesday when he grabbed the microphone and told us that today Trevor would be limited and that he would throw during individual drills? I mean, people were calling him a liar. You don't lie about 
something like that. You don't you don't lie about something that that is going to be proven untrue in like an hour. Okay, that 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 makes very little sense. I I just don't know if there was miscommunication, which has really haunted this franchise during the month of December on the field. Is it another example of that? Because if it was, I mean, again, that's like Urban Meyer miscommunication. I, I think it might I have been. I think it was a setback. Maybe. He was asked about that today. Uh, Doug was asked if Trevor had a setback. No, he, he didn't have a setback. Just, you know, he wasn't there um, as far as, you know, throwing the football at the end of the week. So just kind of kept him inside. He did come out for some of the team stuff uh, and, and, and was around for that, but just, just wanted to get extra uh, extra time in the in the training room before he came out. I just think it was they weren't able to tell how close or how far away he was from playing without actually practicing. You know, like yeah. until you use the shoulder, you can't tell how bad it was. Right. And so maybe they throw him out of practice and they're like, damn, this is – he's not even close to being ready to play or – you know, we don't want to make it worse to have him play this week. I'm not sure. When you just say, like, shoulder injury, it's so it's like NHL vagueness. You know, lower body injury. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who knows when he could be back, uh, what the actual issue is. Final thought about this game this hour, because we, we need to head to a break here. Um, I think it's very important for this to be a cold weather game. We spend all year, not all year, but we spend a great deal of our time talking about how hot it is around here, the humidity, how it's an advantage for Jacksonville against visiting teams. And, oh, by the way, they lost both September games at home. Okay. I'd I'd love to have back that time, that valuable time that I invested into those type of comments. I think the same thing can be said now. The eight years that I was a Jaguar sideline reporter, the coldest game I ever worked was in Nashville. Wasn't in Buffalo or Green Bay or Denver or Foxborough or New York or Cleveland. It was in Nashville. Okay. It was absolutely brutal. I'd like it to be cold. I'd like them to experience playing in this weather again because if they have to go to Baltimore or they have to go any one of these other places in, in you know, Kansas City or Buffalo, no matter where it would or could be, okay, it's going to be cold. So I, I think playing there, and I don't need it snowing or, you know, a couple of degrees above freezing and it's raining and all of a sudden it makes for terrible field conditions and more of a risk of injury, but just simply cold. It's going to be I'd cloudy like. and it's going to be a high of 46 and a low of 34. Okay. That's not as cold as I would like, but that's, and I, you know, I'm sure, again, this is maybe where I overthink things as a host or an analyst, and not a player. Maybe to them it's simply, all right, what's it going to be? Is it going to be 90 degrees and hot and humid, or is it going to be below frigid and it doesn't matter? We're pros. We've all done it. So maybe I do think too much about this, but that's just the way my brain works. And I think experience playing in a cold-weather game like this is uh, is very important. If you look at future opponents, and it was Miami specifically, or playing in a dome, then I I don't know if I'd have that comment. But just on the surface now, and what a crazy year going into this week. Do you realize there are still twenty out of the thirty two teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Twenty out of thirty two teams that still are eligible to make the playoffs. That's where we're headed. Coming up this weekend. All right, we got plenty more to do. If you want to join the conversation, 641 1010. 
That is our text line, as always, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, some out there not in, uh, in favor of my return here in 2024. Here's an individual who uh, does wish that I'm on the Epstein flight list. Which I thought was supposed to come out this afternoon, but it keeps getting... Is it ever going to come out? Pushed back. Aaron Rodgers mouthed off on it. <laughs> yes, he did. And, uh, of course, when that happens, you get the, uh, oh, my gosh, what's he doing talking about something that's not sports-related? We'll see what happens. I, uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I can promise you right now, um, you won't be on it. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I can absolutely guarantee that. All right, um, we got a big prize coming up in a little bit. I want to tease it because I want to think of something uh, that would be really relevant uh, for that. But um, it's a good prize, and we usually don't give out prizes here on Tuesday. Of course, the rest of the week, six to eight, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But uh, that is not the case. Coming up this weekend. Uh, actually, what is uh, actually? Hold on, we'll do that on the other side when we come out of our our very next break. Getting a lot of response to all these Jaguar issues that that we threw out there. Restructure Cam part ways with Calvin. Pay, 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 Josh. Delay Trevor until twenty twenty five. Campbell is due. Use the franchise tag. You know, I tweeted out during the game that my eyes told me that Tyson Campbell had a really good game, and I I did say at the time that Pro Football Focus will probably have a different opinion. Sure enough, they had him just slightly above awful at 58.4. Um, he had eight tackles. He had a pass breakup. He had a, a really good game, you know, especially considering what happened to him a week ago. But pro football focus uh, hammered him for his performance. I, I, I really – I need to have someone on – during the offseason, who can explain to us what goes in to these grades. Because it's almost getting to the point now where it feels like I've been doing this for 30-some-odd years. It's like you have no clue what you're doing, honestly. I mean, Tyson Campbell, to me, outside of Josh Allen, Tyson Campbell, to me, was arguably the best defensive player for Jacksonville on Sunday. The listening, you know, to the, you, the listening audience who wasn't hooked up analytically speaking, uh, do you disagree with me? Or if not, he was certainly a top five guy. You look at pro football focuses rankings. He's one of the bottom feeders for the Jaguars on Sunday. So, you know, I feel like I use these numbers and I always give it the obligatory, well, it is pro football focus, but it feels like at times, especially with the offensive line, when the offensive line is awful, that can support the eye test. But then there are other cases where it really feels like guys are playing much better than their grade. It becomes a major mystery to me. Do you? I know you don't spend as much time on it as I do, but do you? 
And I don't have watch an all on 22, so it's, like, impossible for me to be able to see what the cornerbacks are doing. You know, like, they are out of your screen instantly. You know, like, the only time you get to see a cornerback is if they show the replay of that play and you see his coverage. And you also don't know, you know, whose job it is all the time. You know, here's a perfect example. Last night, if you're just watching the Alabama game, you're thinking – damn, this O-line is getting eaten alive, you know, like Milrow has no chance. But there's got to be more to it than that. Milrow is also not doing anything pre-snap. He's not pointing out to any of the linemen, hey, this guy's blitzing, this guy's coming. So it's more than just that on every play. It's almost impossible to tell from the naked eye, like, who's right and who's wrong, whose job it is to cover this guy. It's it's difficult, man. And without the All-22, it's impossible. Jacksonville loses Jamal Agnew. Uh, I think this is a big blow come playoff time. You know, he's made two very nice plays in the last two weeks as a wide receiver. But I still think that that was fringe, uh, you know, at best. He he was somewhat of a, a novelty there. Um, you wanted him as your return man, particularly your punt return man. For the most part, as we know, the kick return position has been eliminated in the NFL. And special teams, and I get it, Brandon McMahon has struggled for a few games. He did bounce back, certainly yesterday, or make that on Sunday, and I tweeted out that he's back. And, of course, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, but these are these are short field goals. Well, whatever. I mean, the ones that he missed for the most part were 48 yards or longer. Not to say he shouldn't have made many of them, but it, my, my point is I've always felt that Jacksonville – is among the best special teams clubs in the NFL. You have a Pro Bowl punter. You have a former Pro Bowl kicker. You have an outstanding return man. You had two really good gunners. You've been without Chris Claybrooks all year. Tim Jones replaced him. Well, let me find this right now. Tim Jones, believe it or not, even though he only had one target, Tim Jones had the second most snaps offensively at wide receiver for Jacksonville on Sunday. I mean, the guy was out there for 39 of the 63 snaps. The only wide receiver who played more than Calvin Ridley, or excuse me, who played more than uh, Tim Jones was Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley had 45 snaps. Tim Jones had 39. You know, Agnew went out with the injury, uh, he had nine snaps. Other wide receivers, Parker Washington, 25, and Elijah Cooks, 25. Now, this is a big week. You could get back both Christian Kirk or Zay Jones. You could get back one of the two. You could also get back zero of the two. All right? Again, I'm not – I have a tough time trying to figure out who's coming back or who's not coming back. I, I – said forever that I think they're really transparent. I just, I don't know. It's becoming a very hard deal to to try to figure out who is going to play and who is not going to play. But special teams, the other side was Daniel Thomas. Very, very good. He broke his forearm a week ago. So now all of a sudden, you're going into week 18 and game 17 and the playoffs without both your starting gunners, in your kick return guy. Those are blows. There's no way to massage that. That is a blow. Now, they've been without clay books all year. I'll give you that. 
But Daniel Thomas is really, really, he's on the team for that reason. He's not on the team for depth at safety. He's on the team as a special teams guy, and he's out. And now you lose Agnew, probably played his last game in Jacksonville. You know, he's going to be 28, I think, in April, and I'd be uh, surprised if Jacksonville is going to pay him, you know, the going rate as a free agent in 2024. Here we are talking about all these huge decisions. Again, this is why it's going to be such an incredible year. They've got no shortage of 13, 15, 16 household names, guys you're familiar with, that this team is going to have to decide. Restructure, bring back, or just flat out cut. So the offseason is going to be unlike one that I remember in quite some time. All right, when we come back, we got much more to do. Again, 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures and a prize coming up as well a little bit later on the show. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, as always, it's going to be interesting when we get the week of the Super Bowl and Roger Goodell will meet the press for his... State of the NFL and the good and the good and the super and be even better than that. Of course, there's never any negativity. And for most of you, that's good enough, right? And if there is any negativity, it's what? The officiating. We certainly saw that with the matchup between Detroit and Dallas the other night. Again, this is the same Roger Goodell who told us last year that uh, the NFL officiating has never been better. So... It'd be interesting to see how that comes into play. And there's still a lot of football left. I mean, do you believe that there's not going to be another very debatable call, a game-changing call that's either going to take place this week or as early as the wild card weekend could be all the way into the Super Bowl? I don't know. We'll see. And then the other side, you know, David Tepper of Carolina, who uh, threw drink, you know, threw a drink on some Jaguar fans. I don't know the uh, the ins and outs out of it. I, I would have to imagine that some things were being said, some friction back and forth with Duval fans and David Tepper. I mean, I, I'm assuming that. I, I I haven't seen that in the story. I mean, I just you're down twenty six nothing. At one point, you decide to throw a you know a drink uh, into the fan base. Maybe. I mean, nothing would surprise me with him. But he gets 300 large today, fine. That is is so much money to us. That is nothing to him. And Mia was telling me earlier, what did they say that it's like a buck 70 for someone who's making 70 grand a year? (laughs) Right? 70 grand a year is good money. Okay. A buck 70? That's the fine. That's what it is for this man worth all those billions at $300 million. So it's an embarrassment to him. The fine is nothing. The fine is nothing. As a matter of fact, he'll pay that fine. He'll get to pick a charity so he can write it off, okay? If you really want to make a statement, you say to him, next year, your season opener, you're not allowed to be there. Or the first couple of home games next year in Carolina, you're not allowed to be there. Or you take away a late draft pick. Aren't we going to get to the point 
that you you have to make the penalty equal the actual situation that happened. Finding a multi-billionaire, $300,000, does absolutely nothing. I'm sure behind closed doors right now, he's he's thrilled about this. He's um, probably embarrassed. He's embarrassed. He should be embarrassed. He's oh, got yeah. A, he's got <laughs> yeah. A, well, he's got a terrible organization. They made a colossal mistake with Bryce Young. And that's what he's pissed about. Right? I mean, you gave up all those first-round picks. How about Chicago? Chicago's going to decide whether or not the pedal fields and, and draft Caleb or draft what they think is the best quarterback in the draft or stay with fields. And, you know, field shows signs. that This isn't an obvious, easy answer for, for anyone right now in Chicago to make. But, you know, that, that's got to be weighing heavily on him uh, in Carolina. Hey, before we uh, get to our prize here, did you see what Jason Whitlock did on Twitter? I did, but I'm into I understand why people that hate Jason Whitlock were quick to jump on and make fun of it, but it's not what you think. Okay, now I was going to ask you because the younger generation knows more of what's going on. Put it this way. When I do anything social media wise, if I go to Instagram or I go to Facebook and I go to the section where where reels come up or videos come up, <laughs> I can't go more than one video without having one being golf related or like a snake or a wild animal, you know, get being a, you know, seeing a snake in a bush, you know, snake, whatever that. So I think there is a sense that things that you go to regularly, things that, that interest you, is going to pop up. That is the case that a lot of people are saying here about Jason Whitlock. Well, let me explain why that's not the case. Okay. So that's why, for this, our listeners. Well, hold on now. you got to understand. This is why I'm asking you. I don't know the right. answer to this question. But if question. you're on just on Twitter and you see this and you don't really think about it and you don't look hard, this is the opinion that most media people have. So for our listeners, he tweets out a picture of him like searching or he's on like ESPN looking at the standings for the NFL. And there is a ad, a banner ad that says something pretty sexually explicit. Right. And then next to it, it says funny, happy birthday for your husband or a friend or whatever, like a funny birthday card. Mm -hmm. But the birthday card is sexually explicit. So he's like, hey, I can't believe this ad is running on ESPN. How is this appropriate? And everyone jumps on it, and they're like, oh, Jason, don't you understand that it's because of stuff you search? And it's like, well, if you took any time to look at it, which they didn't, and they don't care because they just want to dunk on Jason Whitlock because he's a conservative and, you know, that's just popular to do on there. It's for a birthday card. <laughs> So, like, it's an ad for birthday cards. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with, like, him searching out what the sexually explicit thing. You know, it's a birthday card with a sexually explicit saying on it. Yeah. People I, uh, are taking that to think that, oh, it's a sexual thing that's being advertised. No, it's a birthday card company. Well, he didn't delete it. 
No. There, there, therefore, when I saw that he didn't delete it, to me, it said what people believe he's doing is not the case. Because if so, I think he would have, oh gosh, I got caught. I'm going to get rid of this. Um, I don't know. And, and again, what, what, what you're telling me, I don't know enough about this to know the answer to the question. That's it's that's a $3 why I asked cent beige birthday card. Funny happy birthday card for him, husband, boyfriend, unique birthday gift decorations for men. So it it's just like that's just a random thing. You know, and people love people hate Jason Whitlock, so they're like, Oh bro, you're looking at gay porn. And it's like, no, he obviously isn't. Oh, but, is that what it was? Yeah. I didn't even it, read it's it not enough. That. I, it says I thought it was regular. I thought it was regular adult, not 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 as though that matters, but I well, just no, kind of skimmed through it. It's about a uh, it's like what a woman would say to a man if you're trying to be like funny. Okay. On a birthday okay. card. Um again, so, the reason why I asked you not knowing is again, these snake things pop up and these you know, golfers making mistakes, whatever, things that I find myself going to quite a bit, I get more and more of them. So there are some there are some social media accounts or whatever where if you search stuff enough, it is going to pop up. Well, that but in might this case, be no. one of them. But my point is it's for a birthday card company. So, like, is he searching? Is he buying birthday cards? Like, my point is the the thing that people are claiming that it is, like an ad for porn, it's not that at all. Okay. It's an ad for a birthday card. But, like, people are so stupid. Oh, you know, yeah, like there's quite a few people going so after him stu- now. But they d- Mina Kimes the and, and others. Mina Kimes. Destroying him. Here's Just the deal. Destroying Jason they don't Walker. even. I, I don't know if they don't understand what it is, but. I just don't think they care. I think they don't like him. It's easy to get points on Twitter to go after Jason Whitlock or really any conservative, and that's what they're doing. They don't care that they're full of it, that they're completely wrong. Right, it doesn't let's, matter. Let's get to uh, let's get to our question. Tell us what's on uh, on the list here for a possible winner. Um, AEW Dynamite Rampage live at Daly's Place next week. Uh, January 10th at 7.30 p.m. All right. Here's what we'll do. You get to talk to JJ. We will take caller number one. Which that's really a win in itself. Mm-hmm. 641-1010. What college and or university for the Jacksonville Jaguars has the most players on it? From what school? Active players, okay? Active 53-man roster. All right? What college or university has the most on the Jaguars' 53-man roster? If you can give us that at 641-1010, you get to go check out some wrestling. Should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Tony Khan and company. Uh, that is coming up in about one week. So, again, 641-1010, that is the best way to get us. Also, when we do come back, we got some final thoughts to put into this Tuesday show. Same number on our text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Enclosures. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Jacksonville 26 nothing over Carolina. We fully moved to Tennessee week on Wednesday. We'll be with you 6 to 8, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, 35 rushes, 24 passes, uh, zero turnovers, right? Only one penalty. It's a, it was a clean game. Six sacks. By the Jaguars, you held Carolina to 1 of 13 on third down. 124 total yards. What a game. How about missed tackles? Only six. Jacksonville had 15 missed tackles against Tampa. Their last three games, they had had at least 12 missed tackles in each and every one of those games. And, you know, I mentioned that only because that was really one of the big surprises I got from Mike Caldwell back in August when – Asking him, what is the one thing? I didn't ask the question. Someone in the media did. What, what is the one thing that you need to change more than any on defense? We, we thought the answer would be pressure, sacks. He said, uh-uh, missed tackles. Also, individually, congratulations, Josh Allen, the all-time sack leader in one season. And how about Evan Ingram going over 100 receptions in one year, the second-ever Jaguar and I believe he comes to the eighth or ninth tight end in the history of the game to end up with more than 100 receptions. All right, did we have a winner to our tickets uh, for next week to see AEW? Yes, congratulations, Tony. Him and a friend will be enjoying themselves at AEW Dynamite Rampage. The answer was Clemson. Yes. Three. So that's Trevor, Etienne, and Shally? Yes, the three T's, Trevor, Travis, and Tyler. Kind of like the Kardashians, all with the K's, right? It's the Clemson boys here, all with T's. I'm sure that was planned. Part of the drafting process. K's do that, right? Actually, it's the C's with the Clemens, right? The whole Clemens family begins with a C. I knew that as a Bostonian. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else uh, actually does that. All right, um... Let me give you this before we uh, get you ready for our final thoughts in uh, Hacker Nation, who's going to join you here at 10 o'clock. It's crazy, okay? It looks like if Jacksonville wins are in, okay, they could lose and still get in. That gets a little cloudy, right? But if Jacksonville wins, it's going to be Jacksonville against Cleveland here a week from Sunday. It could be Saturday, but it's, it, you know, Saturday, whenever the wildcard weekend games are officially announced. Uh, the AFC Baltimore won, and, you know, they're walking away with this. As a matter of fact, they're an underdog uh, this weekend. I, th- I think they're playing Pittsburgh, and obviously y- you got to believe that John Harbaugh is going to sit out a lot of starters. That that game doesn't mean a lot for the Baltimore Ravens. It's one of the few games in the NFL that does not. Again, 20 of the 32 teams uh, are still playing uh, to either – get a better spot in the playoffs or, or, you know, make a run at the Super Bowl, I guess you should say. There, there are some uh, exceptions here, like, uh, like the Ravens, um, who have the top overall seed. Number two, Miami hosting number seven, Indianapolis. What a game that's going to be between the Colts and the Texans. Chiefs, number three, against number six, Buffalo. Wow. Um, I mean, we kind of need to see it, right? That's where we are right now in the AFC. Jacksonville at four, Cleveland at five. Now, other teams who still have a chance to get in 
are Houston and Pittsburgh. But there's so many other teams, depending on win or lose, they can still have an effect on some situations, and, and including Denver. I know it's really convoluted. I'll go through that a little bit later on in the week. Uh, San Francisco at 12-4. and four. They get the bye in the NFC. You got Dallas, and again, the playoff seating there. Man, they very easily could be 10-6. and six. They're 11-5, and five, a two-seed hosting Green Bay. Uh, Detroit on the other side of that bad call, a three-seed. They will host the Los Angeles Rams as a six-seed. Then Tampa at four, taking on Philadelphia at number five. All of a sudden, the Eagles have lost three out of their last four games. Other teams in the NFC with an opportunity uh, to still get into the playoffs, it would be, let's see here, Seattle and New Orleans at 8-8 uh, eight and eight respectively. And you also have a couple of 7-9 seven, seven and nine teams. You have Minnesota and Atlanta. So still an awful lot to play for there overall as far as the AFC and NFC playoffs are concerned. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, my biggest takeaway is this, as I do thank the good folks over at Key Buick GMC. I love my GMC Sierra truck. Also, the GF absolutely adores her Buick Enclave, okay, both from Key, and they have a full allotment of vehicles that Uh, You can choose from right now. Still some 23s, obviously the brand new 24s. Outstanding incentives. So uh, go on by and visit them. They are right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside and Gay. My takeaway is this as we get um, into 2024. It's amazing how quickly things can change in this league. And it's not as if we didn't warn you, right? It's not as though you weren't aware of it. Uh, With all the doom and gloom of a four-game losing streak, You take on, arguably, the worst team in pro football, but it just oozes of totally new confidence now for what you have to do. It's simple. Jacksonville can no longer lose. They have to win this weekend in Tennessee, and then it's the playoffs, where obviously if you don't lose, your season does come to an end. You you don't want to go to Tennessee and not win there and then have to wait and see what your playoff fate is, in fact, going to be. You know if you lose the the winner of that Houston-Indianapolis game um, is, is, is going to win uh, the AFC South. Jacksonville has an opportunity to win the AFC South for the first time in back-to-back seasons going to 2004 and 2005. This is the first time already that they're guaranteed to have winning seasons since the 2004 in 2005 season. And on top of that, they're getting healthier. Okay. Daniel Thomas a week ago and Jamal Agnew, that does hurt with special teams. No doubt about that. But it was good to see Walker Little get seven snaps late in that game. I think that was kind of lost in the performance. Um, He's been laboring. Ezra Cleveland, he's been laboring. Tyler Shatley started at left guard. Pro Football Focus tells us that he did not have a good game. Again, take that for what it is. Trevor Lawrence is all the rage, and we'll know much more tomorrow on Trevor Lawrence. I, I have no gut feeling on this at all. And again, I, I've been wrong. I was wrong with the ankle. I was wrong with the concussion, and I was wrong with the shoulder. So, and I don't, I don't mind admitting 
when I'm wrong, okay? I, I have had no feel for this man who in two of the three times answered the bell and came back and played and played hurt. Obviously, it didn't work because they lost. Um, but, I, but I think C.J. Beathard can absolutely win this football game on the road. This week, you're going to have more depth in that offensive line. Is it the return of Ezra Cleveland at left guard? Okay, that could happen. Little's available now to take more snaps as a swing tackle. Obviously, they're going to stay with Anton Harrison uh, at right side, who had a very good game, didn't allow a pressure. And uh, Cam Robinson uh, is well on the left side. The best bit of news could be at wide receiver. Once again, they're going to wait on Zay Jones. He's battling through a hamstring. Tomorrow's a huge day for Zay. Hopefully, he practices in a limited fashion. We'll hear from uh, Doug Peterson tomorrow. We'll also talk uh, with the quarterback tomorrow. I imagine it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, but uh, you know, I could be wrong. It, it could be C.J. Beathard. And then the final missing link here is Christian Kirk. You know, the man went out uh, with a core injury on December 4th. He had surgery a few days later. So here it is the evening time on January 2nd. It hasn't even been a month. Tomorrow we'll know more on January 3rd. Um, if he can go, he goes. Are they going to rest him until the playoffs? Again, I, I, I can't figure out how each and every one of these injuries are. It's one of the most difficult parts of, of actually you know, doing uh, what we do. Uh, but imagine getting back Christian Kirk. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, with everything that's happened with this football team, to finally get back Tyson Campbell. Remember a week ago, Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisco did not play in the second half against Tampa. We, we talked so much. It was criticism as to why ETM was in late, why uh, tri, you know Trevor Lawrence was in late when the injury did happen. Cisco and Campbell didn't play in the second half. Campbell played every snap defensively in the secondary for the Jaguars on Sunday. All right, he joined Jenkins, Darius Williams, and Aloakon as the four Jaguar players who played in each and every one of those uh, 54 snaps. And Andre Cisco increased his input. He went up to 41 snaps. So you're getting healthier on defense. You got Cam back. It feels like this week, Ezra Cleveland will be back, and Walker Little will be ready, and you also could get back both Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, it's Hacker Nation time right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Uh, do you feel like you uh, hit it out of the yard last week? I thought it was uh, four of the greatest shows 1010XL has ever had, to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, you're – well, that, that that not inside, it's it, no doubt about that. But you saying all week, win a game with C.J. Beathard and then come back this week and get the ball back to Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I thought you were talking about the award-winning Baloo and Hacker program. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, look, they, they did exactly what I wanted them to do. And, and you know, sometimes – and this is the point I'm going to make tonight – Sometimes we want to turn football into, like, advanced trigonometry times 100. But sometimes it can be basic, simple math. You tackle the other guy. You don't fumble the football. You dumb it down to the simplest form of football. And that's what the Jaguars did. Was their offense a sexy, glamorous offense? No. With the exception of the Agnew throw, I don't know if Bethard threw the ball 15 yards down the field. 
But what he did is he didn't turn the ball over. They tackled Bryce Young. They got him to the ground with their pass rush. And all of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard, and it's 26 to nothing. I thought, other than the Agnew injury, Rick, it was the perfect Sunday. Yeah, and now it feels like they're taking on two of the really, really bad teams in the NFL. Carolina's the worst, but I want to tell you what. Tennessee's played hard football as of late. Man, they just – I'm still surprised they got wiped out the way that they did. They lost 27 uh, – they lost 2017 a week ago to Seattle. Two weeks ago, they lost in overtime to Houston. They actually went to Miami and won three weeks ago and lost in overtime 31-28 to Indianapolis a month ago. So they've been in every single one of these games, but I think the lingering effect is what they could not do two days ago. Yeah, it was a terrible performance. I actually talked to a couple of people in Nashville today, kind of gauging where the Titans are. Uh, That was not a Tennessee Titan game. You're right. They have not won a lot of games this year, but they've been in most of their games. Houston just decimated them, destroyed them. And a large part of that is the Tennessee offensive line is the worst offensive line in football. You realize in the two games against the Texans, the Texans got 13 sacks against Tennessee. 13 in two games. The Titan offense is just abysmal, which bodes well for Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker playing some of their best football of the year. But my message all week, two years ago, last game of the regular season, Indianapolis comes in here, everything to play for, Jacksonville had fired Urban Meyer. They had nothing to play for, and Jacksonville put a number on them. Tennessee would love to ruin Jacksonville's season, much like we did to the Colts two years ago. Yeah, but what I would like to see happen is Jacksonville not only win, but win handily, put another big number on them. I'd love to knock Mike Vrabel out of the AFC South. I don't want anyone to lose his job, but you and I both know Mike Vrabel will land on his feet. Mm -hmm. He may end up in New England, for crying out loud. Be great to kick him out of the division. He made some headlines today at his press conference. Dropped a couple of uh, expletives. I watched it. He uh, yeah. was pretty passionate about where they are and where they stand. And again, they've put a lot of guys on IR, mm-hmm. and they've put some guys on IR. Rick, I'm going to use quotes IR that make you wonder if they're not enjoying these losses a little bit for draft positioning. I know Mike Vrabel wants to win, but a couple guys that I talked to today. They're putting guys on IR for, like, pinky fingers. Yeah, there's no doubt. They do not want any of their main guys to play if they have a hangnail because losses at this point are a good thing. That's a pretty good gamemanship by Vrabel because he was out of control today. or Not out of control, but just very outspoken and and certainly disappointed uh, when he did meet the media. All right, what else is coming up tonight? Yeah, a lot of Jaguars all week. We'll kick it off with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times-Union to preview the Tennessee game, and kind of a cool story. Every NFL team, all 32, they pick a high school coach of the year in their area. In our area, it's Brian Braddock, the head coach of St. Augustine, and he gets two tickets to the Super Bowl. Whoa. He's going to go out to Vegas, uh, gets tickets. He got them last week. Doug Peterson acknowledged Coach Braddock at a presser last week, so we'll have Brian on to talk about that later tonight. Yeah, I saw that when Doug did it. Very cool, so looking forward to that conversation. All right, Hack, have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. That's going to do it for us. Rest of the week, three. Uh, make that 6 to 8. That'll be tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday night, 6 to 8. And then next week, we'll get back to our regular routine with the holidays officially now uh, have come to an end. That's going to do it. If you want to get a hold of me, I don't check the text line out. The show is over. Best way to reach me is on Twitter. That is Blue1010XL. For JJ LaSalva, my name is Rick Blue. Have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow at 6.